No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where young Elihu finally speaks, accusing Job's friends of not convincing him of anything. He convicts Job of his self-righteousness, but also points to God's redemptive love. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 32 on Simply the Bible. Sometimes the things we don't want to hear are the things we need to hear. Sometimes they come to us from an unexpected even an annoying source. Does that make them any less true? Does that mean we can ignore them? Job was done speaking, but someone else hadn't even started yet. We continue in Job chapter 32. So these three men ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite of the family of Ram, was aroused against Job. His wrath was aroused because he justified himself rather than God. Also against his three friends, his wrath was aroused because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. Now because they were years older than he, Elihu had waited to speak to Job. When Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, his wrath was aroused. Now, this was one angry guy. Three times we are told Elihu was angry. Now, he was angry because Job justified himself rather than God. He claimed that God had been unfair to him. Elihu was also angry with Job's three friends because although they accused Job of wrongdoing, they were unable to convince him. And they never adequately addressed the issue of Job wrongfully accusing God. Now, especially in that culture, young people were expected to be quiet in the presence of their elders and let them speak first. In Lamentations 4.16, Jeremiah speaks of the Lord scattering the Jews and not helping them because the people showed no respect for the priests and no longer honored the elders. Paul says that in the last days, people will be disobedient to parents. When a culture loses respect for its senior members, judgment is soon coming. So Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, answered and said, I am young in years and you are very old. Therefore, I was afraid and dared not declare my opinion to you. I said age should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Great men are not always wise, nor do the aged always understand justice. Therefore I say, listen to me, I also will declare my opinion. Although Elihu was young, he was encouraged by the breath of the Almighty that was giving him understanding. You see, he felt that God was anointing him with a prophetic word. Now, it is true that God can't speak through young people. Jeremiah was young when God called him to be a prophet. Paul wrote to young Timothy, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, 
in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. It is true that great men are not always wise. Sometimes they foolishly say things they shouldn't. And the aged don't always understand justice. There are old fools as well as young fools. This is the first of many times that Elihu will tell everyone to listen to him. He felt that his righteous anger and his divine inspiration gave him the right to speak, even though he was young. Indeed, I waited for your words. I listened to your reasonings while you searched out what to say. I paid close attention to you, and surely not one of you convinced Job or answered his words. Lest you say, we have found wisdom, God will vanquish him, not man. Job's friends couldn't persuade him to confess his sin. So they finally threw up their hands and said, let God take care of him. This frustrated Elihu. Now he has not directed his words against me, so I will not answer him with your words. They are dismayed and answer no more. Words escape them. And I have waited because they did not speak, because they stood still and answered no more. Since Job had not directed his words against Elihu, Elihu was not self-defensive, nor would he take up the arguments of Job's friends because they had come up short. But Elihu would speak because they had nothing else to say. I also will answer my part. I too will declare my opinion, for I am full of words. The spirit within me compels me. Indeed, my belly is like wine that has no vent. It is ready to burst like new wineskins. I will speak that I may find relief. I must open my lips and answer. Let me not, I pray, show partiality to anyone, nor let me flatter any man, for I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. Now, we must admire Elihu's sincerity, even though he was rather wordy. Although he was surrounded by great men, he would seek to be impartial and not use flattery. Chapter 33. But please, Job, hear my speech and listen to all my words. Now I open my mouth. My tongue speaks in my mouth. My words come from my upright heart. My lips utter pure knowledge. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. If you can answer me, set your words in order before me. Take your stand. Truly, I am as your spokesman before God. I also have been formed out of clay. Surely, no fear of me will terrify you, nor will my hand be heavy on you. At first, Elihu tells everyone that he's going to speak without really saying anything. But then he tells Job that he is his spokesman before God. Now, that seems to be going too far. Elihu says that Job does not need to be afraid because he will go easy on him. Surely you have spoken in my hearing and I have heard the sound of your word saying, I am pure without transgression. I am innocent and there is no iniquity in me. Yet he finds occasions against me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks. He watches all my paths. Look, in this you are not righteous. I will answer you. For God is greater than man. Why do you contend with him? For he does not give an accounting of any of his words. Job had said that he was blameless. 
meaning that he was the same on the inside as on the outside. In other words, he wasn't hypocritical. But Job never claimed to be pure or sinless. It was Zophar who made that accusation of him. But it was true that Job had accused God of judging him unfairly. All along, Job's friends had been making the point that Job was suffering because of his sin. That was not true. But Elihu shows that Job had sinned in his suffering by accusing Job of being unjust. Elihu says to Job, why do you contend with him? He doesn't give an account to you. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 9, Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does the clay have the right to question why the potter made him that way? Now, all along, Job has been saying, if only God would go with me to court so I could present my case before him. But I call to him and he doesn't answer. He doesn't tell me why this is happening or what I've done wrong. Elihu says that God chooses how and when he will speak. He is not at the beck and call of man. Verse 14, for God may speak in one way or in another. Yet man does not perceive it in a dream, in a vision of the night when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds. Then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. God doesn't speak just to satisfy our curiosity. But he may speak to turn us from sin or to keep us from pride. He may speak to us to hold our soul back from the pit. He may allow our world to be shaken so that we won't put our hope in this world, which is passing away, but in him who endures forever. Man is also chastened with pain on his bed and with strong pain in many of his bones, so that his life abhors bread and his soul succulent food. His flesh wastes away from sight and his bones stick out which once were not seen. Yes, his soul draws near the pit and his life to the executioners. Lihu here was describing Job's condition. He also addresses the age-old problem of pain. C.S. Lewis wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain is far too valuable of a commodity to waste. Job had been through much pain, but it had a noble purpose. It was not for his chastening, but for his refining. If there is a messenger for him, a mediator, one among a thousand to show man his uprightness, then he is gracious to him and says, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Now earlier, Job had cried out for a mediator to stand between God and him. Elihu describes such a mediator who helps the one who suffers. Of course, we see in this a picture of Jesus Christ, who is our mediator. Through him, we find grace and the ransom for all our sins. He keeps us from going down to the pit. His flesh shall be young like a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. 
He shall pray to God, and he will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy, for he restores to man his righteousness. Then he looks at men and says, I have sinned and perverted what was right, and it did not profit me. He will redeem his soul from going down to the pit, and his life shall see the light. Behold, God works all these things twice, in fact, three times with a man to bring back his soul from the pit, that he may be enlightened with the light of life. Here is the beauty of God's redemptive love. He renews us like a child. He gives us joy for our sorrow. He gives us righteousness for our sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, and he enlightens us with the light of life. Give ear, Job. Listen to me. Hold your peace and I will speak. If you have anything to say, answer me. Speak, for I desire to justify you. If not, listen to me. Hold your peace and I will teach you wisdom. Again, Elihu tells Job to listen. He pauses for a second to let Job respond, but then he continues his monologue. He desires to justify Job even while he is teaching him. We have all had Elihu's in our lives. Sometimes they annoy us or irritate us because of their impertinence. But could it be that they have something valuable to say? Could God be using them to speak to us? Apparently, he did use Elihu to prepare Job for his personal meeting with God. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we'll see where Elihu accuses Job of irreverent and ignorant talk. He then defends God as being righteous, sovereign, and judging impartially. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.